The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. I'm joined by Aoife Barry, Assistant News Editor with The Journal and Amanda Brunker, novelist, journalist and playwright. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Eva, can I start with you on this one? Because one of the things that, that the journal obviously has a long history in doing is monitoring the performance of your own article. So you post something, you look for how many people comment on it, what kind of reaction it gets. Yeah. Cost of living, how significantly, uh, what's the reaction are those items getting? Yeah, huge. I mean, it's it's like one of, if not the biggest topic I think people are really concerned about at the moment because it, it hits every single person. And when it hits you, when you're someone who's really struggling, you really feel it kind of instantly. And this year, it's kind of funny, we were talking in the newsroom, you know, we saying, well, it feels like we're back in the 80s or something, you know, as, pe- as people who were kids in the 80s and 90s. So we didn't maybe feel the pinch like our parents did, that all this talk about energy costs and your bills and inflation and all this sort of stuff, that it's it's real in, in a way that maybe certain generations didn't feel it before. And I think our readers are really curious about like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen with the budget? What's the government going to do? Are they going to have a mini budget? Are they going to do things that will actually have an impact on people's pockets, you know? Um, and I think the fact that we had the invasion of Ukraine towards the start of the year and then immediately that was kind of coalescing with you know stories about energy prices rising then all of a sudden that really had a major impact and then you're seeing the prices go up in the shops and you're getting your reports and like you know your Kantar report saying oh when you go shopping you're paying more for your groceries so it's having this ripple effect through everything and I think today you know seeing the protests it's going to be interesting to see those cost of living protests that are happening or rallies that are happening how many people are going to turn out you know because those are an indication of how exercised people are and that they're willing to go onto the streets. So like we have a story on the site this morning about it and I think it'll be interesting to see the update the photos of how many people gathered because they're sending a message to the government that's like people saying we want change we want something to happen now you know will it be like you know the you know water protests and things like that water charges protests will we see more and more of these cost of living um, protests taking place you know Well that goes to the story that's on the front of the Irish Times today which is public sector pay talks stall as unions reject 5% over two years so in essence Amanda the union said or rather the government offer was a 5% increase over a year and a half to which paraphrasing the union said lads Inflation is around at 8%. That will leave us yeah. minus 4% in wages. Like, it's a legitimate concern, it isn't is. it? Like, I mean, it, I don't know how people are coping, to be honest. I feel very lucky because my husband is doing well. I really miss having my steady newspaper job because I don't have that income coming in anymore. And I do find it tough. Um, I really hope people turn out today for the for the protests, especially at the Garden of Remembrance. At one o'clock, people, you need to turn out. I always get very emotional. I love a peaceful protest. <laughs> love it. I think that is the one way to really send a strong message. Come out, peacefully walk, just come out in numbers. We need to see both. Because if but they, the thing is, though, what, what does the government do? I mean, if it listens to all this, sees all of the anger, because it'll be very aware of the of the, the issue. What's the answer? The answer is trying to help the people on the ground. There does need to be a mini budget. They do need to, 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 to make real changes, like even just the fuel costs. You know, they're saying, oh, we're doing our best. You're not. You're taking over a euro of the two euro that it costs per litre. Like, come on, guys, like make an effort. And I realise that there's this is a global situation. It's not just an Irish or Dublin situation, whereas I know us dubs think that the world just surrounds us, but it doesn't. But like, I mean, the problem is it's the fallout from 
the Suez Canal, the blockage, the, the, the shipping, everything went up. People have to put prices up because everything's been made more expensive. But there, there are ways that the government can help us. And they Although the tricky bit ultimately, Eve, is the money has to come from somewhere. So that if, if you do increase the amount of money that is being spent on whether it's fuel subsidies or anything else, you either tax people more or you reduce the spending on other services. Yeah, and I mean, that's what makes it a kind of a tricky conundrum in a way. But I think that your average person is sitting there watching the bills increase when I was looking there as a piece in the RT about, you know, the cost and energy costs going up that like bills are up by, they're about 1,100 a year. Diesel is up 42%, you know, gas up 57% eggs, beef, chicken up by 12%. They're seeing the actual impact of that on their pocket. And, you know, not everybody is able to know the ins and outs of how you put a, a government's budget together, right? I mean, not ev- not everybody knows the ins and outs of how that all balances. And that's not a criticism. That's just how, like, that's not necessarily your job to have to yeah, know there that. There are other fish to fry. Yeah, there are other things people are concerned about. So they, they do, maybe in a simplistic way, we want some change and maybe people don't necessarily, we don't understand, well, will that affect me if I get some sort of a, a cut on my energy bills, if I get a rebate on it? How is the money for that going to end up in the government's coffers but something still needs to be done because you you know we might all be sitting around here thinking oh no the prices are rising it's difficult but we're not in the situation where we're genuinely like you know can I pay my rent can I give put my kids food on the table can I actually buy them the school uniforms or the shoes that will fit them and it's those people that are in the lower margins of society that really need to be catered for and that's the government's job I would see it as making sure that all citizens of their country are able to kind of live a life we already know that there's a homelessness crisis there are housing issues that like you know aren't really necessarily being tackled very quickly um, so this is a crisis at the moment it's cost of living crisis what can be done about it I don't know about how they're going to balance up the books at the end of the day but people are going to be suffering in a very major way in a few months you know if not already But even because people need to come out and be seen on the streets because mm. that is the way I, any, any yeah, of the like marches that I've power. been out I feel very I get really emotional I start <laughs> crying because I love the fact of when people come together I think it's beautiful Actually, I know you're looking at me, Anton. <laughs> no, no, Anton I, I was watching you think, are you actually going to cry, cry now while no, I'm no, talking I'm not, about No, definitely not. I'm a, little, I'm a little tired and emotional, <laughs> as Eamon Dunphy would say, but uh, I'm not going to be crying. But I do think it's a powerful thing when people come together to, to work together for change. As I say, we will be speaking to Richard <coughs> Boyd Barrett after the uh, 10 o'clock news on those marches because he represents, of course, one of the parties who is significant in the drive mm. for them. Because it is a nice, sunny Saturday in June, something <coughs> that's, I suppose, technically a little bit lighter, though when you dig deep it's kind of worrying a Russian spy has been in our midst this is the story of the Russian spy who attended Trinity pretending to be Brazilian so that he could infiltrate it's just fascinating yeah, I mean, it's scary. Sorry, I shouldn't actually be laughing about it because, uh, you know, yeah. understanding there's a spy trying to infiltrate the International Criminal Court is not a, a funny thing to be joking about. But it is that idea of like, you know, truth is stranger than fiction. So this story kind of appeared on Twitter. I saw some tweets about it the other night. I think it was it was Thursday evening. Uh, people were saying, oh, you know, the Dutch authorities have arrested someone and this man's CV is online. And according to this man's CV, if it is correct, he went to Trinity College for four years. Hold on, does that mean a Russian spy was in our midst and we didn't know? I'm sure anybody who's listened to this who works in counterintelligence is like, I'm sure there's plenty of spies around the place in Ireland that people don't know about. We have um, a huge counterintelligence listenership. Exactly, We're big I've with Mossad. That. Yeah. That's why I said hello to all of them listening there. Um, this guy is called Sergei Vladimirovich uh, Cherkasov. I've probably pronounced his name wrong, apologies. But he did go under the alias Victor Muller Ferriera. So this guy was Russian, um, became allegedly became a spy working for the GRU for Russia, um, posing as a Brazilian national with the German name. So the idea that he had 
German what? heritage. <laughs> went to Trinity. Apparently, it was very according to people being interviewed who, you know, former classmates. He went to a college in uh, Washington as well, I think. Said he's a very nice guy, kind guy. Maybe didn't get into very deep chats. I'm sure he didn't have those, you know, as they call them, the, the DMCs, the deep and meaningful conversations after a few beers with people about, about his life and everything. Um, there's a, a thing online called his legend, which is basically like the book that, that spies use to have their backstory that tells everything about them. So his is, is in Portuguese and English. There's grammatical errors and everything in it, but it tells his stories about what he liked doing when he was a kid, you know, fishing with his grandparents or whatever and stories about his family. But he had concocted this huge big story, went to college um, in Ireland, in America and was caught when he was trying to go in and work in the International Criminal Court by the Dutch authorities who are maybe different to the Irish authorities in that they put the entire situation then online. So they put the whole story of this and his arrest and the fact he was sent back to Brazil where he was then I think arrested when he arrived there. So it's just such a huge, it's a huge story and one of my colleagues has a, has a great story in it because he's saying, you know, like sources are saying like this isn't the only guy who's out there. I mean, he's being monitored. Sources are probably aware that he was he was around um, and it for your for your average person who might not be up to speed on that, it's like, wow, how did this happen? Very, how does this guy become this? It's very James Bond, but let's yeah. be honest, Trinity, I'm sorry, Trinity, you've had some very questionable uh, students down through the years. Well, there's been sons and daughters of oligarchs and all sorts of... Um, they need the, an education too, man. There's a, there's a, there's a, really? In Trinity? They have to come to Trinity? Who's Who am I thinking of? Uh, Quaid, um what's his name? His son came to Trinity as well. Uh, bin Laden? Yes, was there was a Bin Laden for a top class Irish education. And yeah, there you go. So it happens all the time. I, do, I saw a, a tweet, I think, and I'm sorry if I'm attributing it wrong, but I think it was Colm Regan, the uh, comedian, <coughs> had a tweet saying that suspicions were raised when he attended Trinity and didn't tell anybody the fact, <laughs> which I thought was pretty good. In other uh, news, today is a the Catholic Church is holding part of the global synodal process and they are getting together I think somewhere like is it at loan that they're gathering isn't it great though that they're coming together because I'd say this is really going to implement change this is the change that the Catholic Church has been waiting for they've been talking to their their a hundred parishioners who actually turn up on a weekly basis and not just for communions and confirmations Um, and uh, yeah they're apparently they're they're meeting today to discuss the feedback from their parishioners of how the church is going to move forward because now in 2022 change is going to come women are going to become priests they're going to be allowed uh, you know have gay relationships all of this change is going to happen. I can feel it in me waters. Can't you, Anton? I'm I'm getting a sense of underlying cynicism in your view, Amanda. You don't think there is a shred of positivity in this that that they are casting their, I don't know, bread upon the water and seeing what returns to them, that they're opening their minds and ears? No, no, because this is nothing new. Well, like, yeah, I mean, like, I agree with Amanda that, like, it's really good that they're having this. It's really important for any church, right, to reach out to the parishioners to find out what they care about. The big issues that people talk about, 96% of the reports referred to women in the church. Like I remember when I was a kid growing up in like the 90s, the bishop would come around to school and I would always put up my hand and I'd be like, why can't women be priests? Literally. Because oh, I, I bet you were un- putting the corner straight well, away. Like, the, you know, the answer never made sense to me. I could not understand it as a small child. I can't even remember. It's probably oh, something like, oh, it's not in the Bible or something. I, I mean, listen, I was just, it, it did not make sense to me. P- clearly parishioners want 
want a bit of change. And I think if you want to reinvigorate the church, which is what the church wants, right? The numbers have been going down, then make the changes. But it depends not, on how you, know. you look at the church. If you look mm. at the church from an entirely Western, um, developed world yeah. perspective, mm. the church has been going down. In the developing world, church is going gangbusters. Yeah, no, that that's a fair point. But I think that and I think that when you talk about evolution of a religion, that's tricky, right? Because a religion has got texts that things are based on. There are not, it's not like necessarily uh, going to evolve year to year, just as society evolves. But I think when you're the people who turn to you and who, you know, have your religion as part of their, their lives, the, the you know, the bedrock of their lives, when they're saying to you, you know, change is needed here to keep things up, then what does the church do about that? Well, as a final note, if they are in the listening business in Athlone today, your prime suggestion for them? <laughs> well, I think move with the times, allow equality, you know, of access to the top level. Well, if, if, if you don't let women in, there's going to be nobody to do funerals, never mind weddings. So at this stage, they're just going to fizzle out. Equality through practicality. There you go. Amanda Brunker, thank you very much. And thank you to Aoife Barry, uh, Aoife being course assistant news editor with The Journal and Amanda Brunker, novelist, journalist. And unemployed. <laughs> and playwright. <laughs> the Anton Savage Show, Saturday morning at nine on News Talk.